This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity. Like Progressive home and auto policies, they're best when they're bundled too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save nearly $800 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. Hi, I'm Lale Arikoglu, and this is Women Who Travel. Today, my guest is a Moroccan-Canadian singer-songwriter who, at just 23, has already clocked up numerous accolades for her poppy, anthemic hooks performed in English, French and Arabic. She's Fosia Weir. A quick note before we get started. This episode was recorded several weeks before the devastating earthquake in Morocco. For information on how to help and donate, head to cntraveler.com. My sound as an artist is a dramatic, dark, like fun pop sound that I would say sometimes has a Middle Eastern flair mixed in in some tracks. But there's also an almost theatrical aspect to some of my songs as well. Born in Casablanca, Fosia and her family settled in the prairie country of central Canada in the early 2000s. So we immigrated when I was one, so I was just a little baby, but I feel like I held on to my culture really well because my parents spoke to us in Arabic and they spoke to us in French and we would eat Moroccan food all the time. Is it your hope that there's other women, people like you from Morocco who may be living somewhere else that can see themselves? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I didn't really have anyone like me to listen to growing up to and that kind of had that both world situation going on and I hope that people that are like me or people that are just even experiencing different cultures whether whatever part of the world they're from and whatever part of the world they may have immigrated to to see that it really doesn't matter where you are in the world as long as you embrace who you are and your culture and you want to do what you want to do in your life then I hope that they can find themselves in, in my career and in my music. Clearly, it's happening because you are reaching so many audiences and there's a ton of TikTok dancers um, <laughs> that have been cropping up. How does that feel to see you kind of reaching all these people and reaching lots of people in countries in the Middle East and beyond? Oh, my gosh. Every day, it never, like, it has not sunk in yet. Every time I see people all around the world making dances or making covers or singing along or even coming to my shows. I'm literally like, what is happening? When did this happen? Like, how is this possible that I can do this as my job? So I feel so, so lucky. And like these people, everyone in the like fan base is always so sweet. Everyone always asks me to describe like, what are your like 
fans like. And I genuinely mean it when I say they're the sweetest people in the world. And so to be able to see that and to see them be creative to something that I made when I was being creative is so cool. It's just like a really cool experience. Fozia was chatting to me from LA, where she now spends a considerable amount of her time recording. It's a stark contrast to a rural town called Carmen in Manitoba. The town that I grew up in was so, so tiny. And I actually spent the majority of my life going to a school in an even smaller town, population of like 600. And the town that my home was in was a population of 3,000. And to me, that's all I really ever knew. And I lived in my little bubble and like a city that was 15,000 instead of 3,000 seems so much larger to me. Um, we had one gas station. We No, we had two gas stations, actually. We had one grocery store and one high school, one elementary school. And I thought that was so big because the town that I went to school in was even smaller. But I thought it was so peaceful. And because there was nothing to ever do, I would just spend my time playing music and writing music. So you were in somewhere that was full of the outdoors, but it sounds like maybe you were a bit of an indoors person if you were staying in and making music. Yes, I was definitely an indoors person. I would go camping in the summertime, but where I'm from, it's also so freezing cold. Like the winters get to a point where you can't really go outside. And that was perfect for me because either you play winter sports or you don't. And I didn't really play winter sports. (laughs) I was not a sports person either. so. Girl, if you ever see me playing hockey on the hockey ice rink, call 911 because I am literally <laughs> being forced to be there. There is no reason I should ever be playing hockey. I did do some figure skating, which was really fun, but I was very young. I mean, that sounds great and appropriate for the weather. But yeah, I mean, I wasn't playing ice hockey, but I was playing hockey in the park in London and that was bad enough. I got in a lot of trouble for skipping those lessons all the time. I mean, it's all good. I don't blame you. I'm the, I was the same one. <laughs> <laughs> it's, how I, it's how I started smoking, for better or worse. My dad's Turkish, and I used to bring a lot of Turkish food in for lunch and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like kids were either super curious or like kind of annoying about it. Oh, yeah. No, they definitely didn't vibe at all. (laughs) I was like, I really was the only, I think I was one of the only people at my school who wasn't white. And because it was such a small town in like rural Canada. And growing up, like I, I definitely was the kind of an outcast. I mean, I had some friends, but then I always was very different from everybody else because I wasn't Canadian, like, like, you know, born in Canada. But as I grew older, I feel like people got more curious. And as people, you know, like, you're not a little kid and you mature a little bit more and you get more curious about other cultures, people started to be a lot more like respectful and intrigued by, you know, me being from Morocco. It's funny. I feel like it's, at least in my experience, it's something that when you're younger, you almost like try to not hide, but like, kind of just like not make a big deal about and then you realize that it's actually a really cool thing about you that people are curious about. Yeah. Fozia learned violin, piano and guitar as a child and wrote her first song age six. 
you said that your parents really did an amazing job at making Morocco feel very like present in your life. Mm-hmm. I imagine some of that was through the music they played. Yeah, so my parents would play traditional like Moroccan and Arabic music all the time. And it was a mix of that in my childhood and also me listening to like Gaga. So I really got to experience both of the worlds really well. And I listened to a lot of like Arabic vocalists or Arab vocalists and also like Western vocalists. So that was kind of the soundtrack to my childhood. It was just powerhouse vocalists and singing in different languages. And when you started making music in your house in the snow, Mm -hmm. were you consciously kind of weaving in Moroccan influences? I mean, you really hear it in your music now, but was that something that began then or was it a sort of natural progression? I would say it was a very natural progression and something that I didn't even realize that I was doing. I always would just write what would come from my heart and come from my mind. And as I grew older, people would hear me sing and they would say like, where are you from? Like the way that you sing is a little like almost Middle Eastern or North African. And that's when I realized that it had seeped its way into my music without me even realizing it. And just up until recently, I wouldn't even do it intentionally, but I wrote a song called R.I.P. Love that's out now. And that was the first time that I went into a studio session and I was like, I want to make like an Arabic pop song. And But before that, it was just what came to me naturally. I love that song. And I Thank one, of, you. one of the things I love about it is it's so transportive. And, you know, I mentioned my connection to Turkey, which isn't an Arabic country, but it is a Middle Eastern country. And it made me, mm-hmm. it sounded like I was in a bar in Istanbul. Like it was just, <laughs> it made me so excited and have such a yearning for that part of the world. R.I.P. Love. It, I feel like, is a perfect kind of encapsulation of everything that you just described. And it's also just such a bop. Thank you. How did you decide which kind of Moroccan sounds and that flair and those instruments and to kind of incorporate into it? Um, it must have been like a really fun experimentation. It has this like, amazing opening um, where you're, um, I don't know if this is the correct term for it, but you're kind of like trilling. Yes. Was that improvised? So we wrote the chorus and there was no post-chorus. And I started to just improvise different melodies. And that was the first one that came in straight out of the chorus, like naturally to me. And we were like, it had, the song has to start with that. And that was the post as well. And it really was just like a magical day. Like everything fell into place so well. And yeah, that one was the first melody that came to my mind. <laughs> I love it. Um, I mean, I really love it. It's such a good song. I feel like Arabic is such a beautiful, deep, and even like romantic language. It's also very poetic. And I take a lot of inspiration, even if I'm not writing in Arabic, I take a lot of inspiration from Arabic songs because I the lyrics are always just so emotional and so I try to bring that emotion and bring that poetry into um, English lyrics as well I love to listen to Arabic music as well even if it's like because there's different dialects of Arabic and I speak Darija which is the Moroccan Arabic 
But even if it's something I don't fully understand, just to hear different dialects and to hear the language, I think it's such a beautiful language. And so I try to expose myself to it as much as possible. Are there any moments where you're like trying to think of a, a lyric or a turn of phrase and you're like, there's, this doesn't exist in English or I have to say it in Arabic or this doesn't exist in French? When I'm speaking all the time, I think there are so many funny phrases in Arabic that don't exist in English. And I always just like look at my parents or my sisters and I'm like, how do you say that in English? Like, how do you even explain what I'm trying to say? <laughs> and we always say something that's close, but it doesn't hit the same. <laughs> like, I really wish that I could bring those sayings and those catchphrases because they're so funny. There are so many funny ones in Arabic. I was about to be like, okay, tell me some of these catchphrases, but I feel like you'll only be able to say them in Arabic, right? Yeah, and then I can kind of explain what they mean. Um, there's like, I'll tell you one that's really funny. Well, one that we always say as a joke is like, which is like, well, we relied on you, which doesn't make sense in English. But basically, if we assign a task to somebody and they take forever to do it, or they just don't do it, you're like, well, we, we relied on you. Like, we relied on, like, the worst person, which is one of my favorite ones. And it doesn't work that well in English, so... Oh, no, it's great. I love it. I feel like just, you know, any anything there's, like that, anything that's just being, like, sharp is hilarious to me, so... Yeah, there's also another one that I really can't translate, but it's called, like, Bihlen. And... I don't know how to say it in English. Like the closest thing is like cringy and like <laughs> infantile almost, but you you can't directly translate it. And I really wish you could because it's a very, like it's a very useful word. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like I'd be throwing that one around a lot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is probably an impossible question to answer, but is there a language you enjoy singing in more? Their English is the one I'm the most comfortable singing in. Mm -hmm. I almost get shy singing in like Arabic. I like to also sing in French, but I, again, I get a little shy because I rarely do it. So I, I feel like when I do sing in French or Arabic, it's like there's almost more attention on it. And everyone's like, but everyone's always so sweet and positive. I just get like, I just get a little shy doing it. <laughs> After the break, Fozia talks about travels in Morocco and looks back on how her parents maintained a connection to that country through the home they created in Canada. Are you ever minding your own business when you start to wonder, how do killer whales work? Who are Hollywood's paparazzi? Did British sailors get it on in the 1800s with each other? I'm Jonathan Van Ness, and every week on Getting Curious, I sit down for a gorgeous conversation with a brilliant expert to learn all about something that makes me curious. Honey, we explore everything around here with scientists, historians, activists, entertainers, and other brilliant guest experts. You can join me every Wednesday for an all-new topic with an all-new expert on Getting Curious. Listen to Getting Curious wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to level up? For me, it's my hiking boots which have gotten me over some pretty tough terrain. And I'm not talking about my morning commute on the New York City subway. They've pushed me to go to far-off places like trekking in the remote mountains in Patagonia, wildlife spotting amid the thick rainforest of the Amazon, and climbing through canyons in the Utah desert. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. There's an available panorama glass roof, 33-inch all-terrain tires, 
and multi-terrain select driving modes. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior means that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium, Apple Card, or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Do you get to go visit Morocco much? Where Where are all your family? A lot of my family is kind of all over the place. So my my immediate family is with me. So my parents and my sisters are in Canada with me. But I have some aunts and uncles that are in Casablanca, in Fez, in Teza, just like all over the map. Where do you like to go when you're there? Is it Casablanca? Is it Fez? What's your What's your dream Morocco trip if you don't have to do all the family duties? <laughs> There's always family There's duties. Always, always. Every single time. <laughs> I don't think I've never had a Moroccan trip without family duties. The whole time is spent going from like house to house to house to house. And you're barely really like exploring because you have to say hello to everyone. And it's always funny because people come up and be like, I changed your diapers. And I'm like, like I don't know who, who you are. <laughs> no, literally. Um, so it's always really fun and funny to do that. But my favorite places that I did see were Agadir and Casablanca was also very beautiful. And Sueda was one of my favorite cities as well. Bozio has vivid memories of traveling back to North Africa. Seeing everyone being so passionate, like, and everyone being just as, like, passionate and loud and expressive and all this. I'm like, well, that's why I'm the way that I am. Like, <laughs> it was it was just really, like, special and cool because I'm like, we really are like this, like, aggressive and fun-loving, like, all these things. So I, at first it was very surreal, but now it's, I think it's really cool. And I haven't even fully gotten to experience Morocco as an adult yet. So I think that'll be a whole other experience in itself. Food is so intertwined with our identities. I, for one, feel attached to so many Turkish dishes that I grew up eating. So I wanted to know what Moroccan dish Fozia was craving. I'm craving like a tagine right now, which is, I don't know if you've ever seen those like triangular dishes that are kind of like made of like, they're like pottery dishes almost. And there's one that my mom makes. It's like chicken with lemon and she always makes homemade fries and puts them inside. And it's so delicious. So I'm craving that right now. I'm also craving just like a foams, which is like a Moroccan soda. Oh, what sort of soda is that? I've never heard of that. It's like, it's like apple flavored soda and it almost tastes like sweet. It's just like close to apple cider mixed with like ginger ale almost. That's the best way I can explain it, but it's so delicious. And it's like really bad for you. You can just tell by the amount of sugar that like hits your tongue the second you drink it. But it's so good. And I really want that. And I don't know where to get it. 
it randomly comes up in markets, like sometimes in Canada, like Moroccan or Arabic markets, but it's not always there. I want to track that down. Um, there's a place in Brooklyn called Sahadi's that has a lot of imported Middle Eastern products. Mm-hmm. And I was actually there stocking up on Sunday and I'm going to look for that because that sounds fantastic. What's your favorite, like, what's your favorite thing to stock up on when you go? Oh, great question. I got a big tub of labne. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's essential, essential. And, oh God, I can't remember the name for it in Turkish, but it's like a very specific, like, spicy sausage. Um, oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then there's, they, I feel like I can never find these, like, cured black olives anywhere oh, in yeah. New York apart from at Sahadi's, and my dad would bring them back from Istanbul in, like, massive tubs. Oh, my which, gosh. Now I think back, I'm, like, not sure how he was getting them past customs. But Also, how did it not break? I do not know. And then he would just, like, have it proudly out on the counter and would dip into it every day. Yeah, no, that's the thing about, like, Middle Eastern parents. They will transport it overseas, and they will do it successfully. My parents transported an entire living room to Canada. Like they transported <laughs> couches, they transported pillows, they literally transported tables, they transported like like little things inside. I'm like, where, where? How did you do this? Like, did you teleport it? But they just will make it work. They always make it work. I love that. So was it like a replica of your childhood living room in yeah, no, Canada? I don't even I don't even know. Like I just remember one day in Morocco we were going shopping for like cushions and stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. And then They're like, no, we're bringing this back with us. And they literally had to build like a bunch of things in Canada, but most of it was transported. And I don't know how they met the weight requirements on the suitcases because it was so much. They brought literal like blocks of wood from Morocco to make these tables. They brought them in pieces. It was insane. Like now that I think of it as an adult, I don't know how they did that. I would have just gave up. I would have been like, you know what? It, we'll take a picture of it and remember it when we're in Canada. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, you're like, it would have been nice to have, but like, shame. Yes, literally. <laughs> you know, all of that Moroccan style and it fusing into your home growing up. And then you've now, you're, you're an adult and you have your own sense of style looking at you in photo shoots and music videos and stuff like you're such a chameleon and wear such cool stuff how would you describe your personal style now I think my personal style is I would say very sleek I like like high fashion looks and I I also love to explore and I also like to wear Moroccan attire when I'm celebrating holidays but for most of like my artistry, I like to keep it pretty, pretty sleek, I'd say. And also very out of the box. I like to do things that are a little bit like pushing my limits. <laughs> what does that look and feel like to you? I mean, I will wear something extremely outrageous just just for the fun of it. I For my puppet music video, I wore like an entire like floral piece. And I was basically just like covered in like these like solid paper flowers and I also wore this giant oversized yellow piece that ha- I don't even know how to explain it but if you go look at it you'll understand what I'm saying and for minefields I wore this really giant beautiful white dress and I was absolutely obsessed with it it's made by a designer named Ashi and so so sunny but all the comments were like is she wearing like a couch? Like, what is that? <laughs> but I, I love things like that. I love when it's out of the box. I love when it looks like an art piece. And you can like 
be playful and creative. Yes, absolutely. It's probably, I'm sure it was listening to Gaga when you were growing up. I think definitely. (laughs) Oh my gosh, Gaga and Rihanna being the people that I listened to growing up and ending up the way that I am. I think, I think that's the answer. Yeah. Coming up, feeling different versions of yourself in three different countries. Hi, I'm Deborah Treisman, fiction editor of The New Yorker and host of The New Yorker Fiction Podcast. On the podcast, I ask a great contemporary writer to select a favorite story from the magazine's almost 100-year archive to read and discuss. Together, we delve into the story, exploring its themes, its style, and what makes fiction work. You can listen to authors like Otessa Moshfeg talk about why we write. Story, or attaching a story or creating a story, is this inclination that we all have to stop spinning. And you can hear writers like George Saunders discuss the nature of storytelling. On the first read, you accept these things as descriptions and they make you see the scene, but every line is a chance to inflect the reader's mind. You'll discover new favorite authors and read old favorites in new ways. Episodes of the New Yorker Fiction Podcast are released on the first of every month. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. You know, we've talked about Canada, we've talked about Morocco, we've touched on L.A. You're zipping between the three places, it sounds like, pretty regularly. Mm -hmm. How do you feel like you fit into each? Or I guess also, how do they fit into your life? What do they give you? I honestly feel like there's a part of me that I leave in each one of these places. And whenever I visit, I just kind of jump into that part of me. And I really like just having so many places that I feel like I can call home. When I'm in Canada, I'm definitely like a more chill version of myself and more quiet, more reserved. And when I'm in Los Angeles, I'm way more social and I'm going to sessions and just exploring the city, trying out a lot of really great food here. And whenever I'm in Morocco, I really feel like I connect with like a deep-rooted part of me. Music enables her to delve deeper into her heritage. I always love to find new ways to stay connected to my culture. And I've always wanted to write in like a full, fully Arabic song. But the day that I do it, I want it to be something that I'm really proud of. And I've tried. I've done like small like snippets here and there, but that's something I haven't fully attempted yet. But yeah, it is a really great way to stay connected. I love your music. Like best of luck with everything. And we'll have to get you back on. Thank you. I could keep asking you about your music and Morocco and your travels so much more. But I'm just going to ask you one last question. Okay. Which is, are you going to go and seek out some Moroccan food after we finish recording? Is there somewhere to go in LA? I don't know, but I need to find one ASAP. Like, even if it's not tonight, I need to find a place to go to because 
I don't, it just made me miss it so much. And I'm probably going to see my mom in like four days so we can make food back home. But otherwise, I need to find a place stat. <laughs> yeah, you need you need those fries in the tagine. That sounds yes. Oh my incredible. Gosh. Yes. A reminder that for more information on how to help and donate in the wake of the earthquake in Morocco, head to cntraveler.com. Next week, we're traveling on new and old sleeper train routes across Europe with our train expert, Monica Rajesh. And we hear from a listener who crosses Canada by train to celebrate becoming a Canadian citizen. See you then. I'm Lale Arakoglu, and you can find me on Instagram at Lale Hanna. Our engineers are Jake Loomis and Gabe Kuroga. The show's mixed by Amar Lal. Duke Kampfner from Corporation for Independent Media is our producer. See you next week. I'm David Remnick, host of the New Yorker Radio Hour. There's nothing like finding a story you can really sink into that lets you tune out the noise and focus on what matters. In print or here on the podcast, the New Yorker brings you thoughtfulness and depth and even humor that you can't find anywhere else. So please join me every week for the New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts.